If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 69 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, October 25th, 2020. Let's get started by giving our shout out to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and, of course, where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also follow the main man behind the website, Darren on Twitter, at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. And also don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees as well and stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees by following me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. October 25th, guys, episode 69. Time just keeps on speeding right by us. Got election day in like a week and a half, and what fun that should be. (laughs) Got game five of the World Series tonight between the Dodgers and the Rays, which I do want to touch on quickly because it's been such a fun series, both fun and chaotic, especially after last night's game four. But you got game five tonight, which could have potentially been the final game for the Dodgers if they were to win, but they had a massive, massive choke job last night in the ninth inning when they were up 7-6 in Game 4. So, instead of having a three games to one series lead and potentially having tonight be the final game if they were to win in Game 5 with that series lead, the series is now tied at two and got even wilder as we will have a World Series of at least six games now, which is fine for my prediction since I had the Dodgers in six personally, so all good there, I guess. (laughs) But after the way last night went, you just, you gotta love baseball. You just have to. Now, if you recall, when we spoke a week ago, the Rays were waiting on whoever was gonna win game seven of the NLCS that night between the Dodgers and the Braves, and obviously we know that the Dodgers ended up winning that incredible series that they found themselves down three games to one in heading into game five. They just never gave in. They came all the way back against the Braves and moved on to the World Series to take on the Rays in what's also been, as I said, a really fun series made even more chaotic after last night. I still cannot believe or understand that ninth inning. I mean, I can only imagine how the Dodgers fans felt after that. If I were a Dodger fan, I probably would have broke something in my house. (laughs) So tonight is game five with that series tied at two, a pivotal moment for sure in this series that could define who ends up winning it all. We'll see if it does. And of course, for the Rays, it would be their first time ever winning the World Series. They've been there once before in 2008 against the Phillies, if you recall, but they lost. So this would be their first time ever winning. And for the Dodgers, it would be their first time since 19. 
1988. And for tonight, the Dodgers will throw their ace at the Rays in Clayton Kershaw, who silenced those that get great pleasure in discussing his postseason struggles by throwing six very nice innings of one-run baseball in Game 1 of the World Series. Just had 78 pitches, which Dave Roberts was criticized about for a bit for taking him out with that low of a pitch count, but hey, a beautiful start nonetheless. It started the series off right for the Dodgers, on the biggest stage of them all, no less, in the World Series. And he proved himself to be the ace that he is, and I was really, really happy happy for Kershaw. I really was. I said from the beginning before the World Series even started that a big indicator to this World Series, how it ends up, could be how Kershaw does in Game 1. And I was very happy for him that he went out there and had himself a great start. But... The mission's not over yet. He's got to prove it again tonight in, as I said before, to put it mildly, a potentially pivotal Game 5. And the Rays will be throwing Tyler Glass now, who the Dodgers really managed to get to in Game 1 of the World Series. But regardless of how the Dodgers got to him in Game 1, you have to assume the Rays are also hoping to take the momentum from last night's bizarre victory. Bizarre is just the only word that can come to me right now. There are no words in the English language that could describe the ending to last night's game. Just how crazy and wild it was. Now, I still can't even really comprehend it. But that could definitely be a big momentum shifter in the series, and you have to imagine that the Rays are hoping to take the momentum from last night's crazy game into tonight to take their first series lead. Because if there is such a thing as a potentially huge momentum shifter in a big series like this, it would be what happened last night. So, last night's chaos makes tonight's game even bigger to see how both teams respond to that. So again, we already got game five tonight, guys. It's crazy how fast it's gone. But last night, again, the back and forth by both offenses all throughout, especially in the later part of the game, I just have to hit on this for a little bit because it was just so crazy. It was 4-2 to Dodgers, and then it was 5-4 to Rays on a Brandon Lau three-run shot, who, by the way, has finally decided to wake up for the Rays, and he could not have picked a better time to wake up because he had not been doing anything in the postseason before the World Series started. But again, it's the World Series now, so what better time is there to wake up? And then the Dodgers jumped back out in front 6-5. to five. The Rays tied it at 6. Then Corey Seager, who's had himself not only a hell of a World Series so far, but a remarkable postseason overall, he came up big with a huge go-ahead RBI bloop single to give the Dodgers a 7-6 to six lead. And I thought they'd hold it, but then came that bottom of the ninth. Kenley Jansen, blown save on an RBI single by Brett Phillips. Then, listen to this, that's not it. Not as simple as a blown save and then the loss because the winning run ended up coming home to score. No, no, no. A lot of things had to happen for that winning run to score. Because on the RBI single, the ball was bobbled by Chris Taylor in center. Then it was recovered by Taylor. He threw to Muncy, the cutoff man in the infield. Muncy threw to Smith at home. The throw got away from Smith at the plate. And then a Rosarena came home to score. (laughs) So there were like two or three mistakes on one play. It was absolutely wild. So that winning run came home to score in that bizarre fashion. A ball bobbled in center field. The throw came in to Muncie, the cutoff man. Muncie threw to Smith at home. Smith lost the ball. The ball got away, and Rosarena came home to score. Oh, God. And speaking of the ball being bobbled out there by Taylor in center, because if it had been fielded cleanly, a Rosarena would have been dead at the plate. A Rosarena stopped short in his tracks after taking a bad tumble after rounding third. He just tripped while running home 
and he just like flipped over. It was crazy. So then he stopped in his tracks, seeing that Muncie was about to throw home. But then after Smith lost the ball, still basically recovering after tripping and falling along the baseline, he then continued to home plate, slid in, and scored the winning run. So a bobble by Taylor. Smith loses the ball at home after the throw by Muncie. Kenley Jansen was not backing up the throw, and the Rays won in unbelievable and incomprehensible fashion, leaving all of us just asking ourselves, what in the hell just happened? (laughs) That's what everyone was thinking, no matter what fan base you were a part of, no matter what rooting interest you may or may not have had, you just sat there wondering what just happened. (laughs) One of the more wild and sloppy endings I think I've seen to a World Series game. That was just crazy. So, as I said, the series is now tied as a result of all of that, and that's <laughs> that's the deal with the World Series so far. As, unfortunately, that also means the end of baseball this year is imminent, because even if it goes seven games, we'd only have a couple more days left. And then, it's officially the offseason for everyone, guys. And speaking of the offseason, and events that take place during the start of it, just around the corner, the offseason usually kicks off with award winners being announced. MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Gloves, Hank Aaron, you name it. And as of this past week, we have some awards finalists for the Yanks, namely in the category for the Hank Aaron Award and two Gold Glove finalists, one of them not being a surprise at all. And the other, if he were to win, but the fact that he's even in this discussion is still remarkable, but if he were to win, would be the highest award representing the quickest culmination of quite possibly the best turnaround for a baseball player defensively that I've seen. Let alone the incredible transformation he's achieved as a person off the field too. And we have spoken about this guy all throughout this shortened season here on the podcast, and I've spoken about him a lot on social media too, about just how incredible his turnaround this year has been, and we will talk about him and the other Yankees Gold Glove finalist, as well as their Hank Aaron Award finalist later on in Yankees news after this week's poll segment, as well as an announcement that the Yanks made regarding their payroll for 2021 in light of the financial aftermath of the pandemic, which could impact what they do or also don't do this winter with free agency and or trades. And we'll also discuss that later in Yankees news. But while we're on the subject of this offseason, And it'll all continue all winter long, of course, especially even more so next week with the World Series being over by then. But again, while we're on the subject of this offseason, talks of what the Yanks should do this offseason continue to heat up. And that just so happens to be what this week's poll is all about. The first of many offseason polls here on Yapping Yankees. The time has come for offseason talks to begin, with the end of the World Series just days away with Game 5 again being tonight. So let's do some offseason talks with this week's poll, just trying to gauge your thoughts early on here in the Yankee offseason on whether you think this will be a quieter offseason for the Yankees or not. So here is this week's question. As usual, we'll start on Twitter and then head to Instagram. The question is, do you think it'll be a quiet offseason for the Yankees? And there was sort of a second parter to it because I also said comment below telling me which moves you'd like to see the Yankees make this winter for a potential shout out on the show. And of course, as always, I'll try to get to as many of you as I possibly can before we move on to Instagram. Now, you know what I've said in the past about this, whether I think it'll be a quieter offseason for the Yankees or not in general. And I have been one to say that I believe it will be a quieter offseason. Now, does this mean I think 
think they'll do absolutely nothing? No, of course not. They do have some things to address, most of them on their own team, with some of their own guys going into free agency. They have to address whether they're going to bring back DJ or not, which I feel like that's the number one priority. I've said that so many times in past weeks, how I think bringing back DJ needs to be the top priority for the Yankees this offseason. They have to decide what they're going to do with guys like Tanaka and Paxton, guys who are hitting free agency. So there are things to address on their own team. So it definitely won't be a completely stagnant offseason. It can't be. They have things to address. But as far as moves being made on the outside, I see them maybe, maybe making a move, maybe two. I know a ton of people in the fan base are just downright begging them to sign Trevor Bauer, at least for this year, because we know Trevor Bauer likes to sign one-year contracts. So if he were to come to the Bronx, that's probably what the Yankees would sign him to. I know there are some guys in the Yankees that some people would like to see them shop for some more pieces. People are mentioning putting Luke Voigt on the market, which I can't tell you how much I disagree with that. I think wanting to get rid of Luke Voigt, even though I know his value is so high and you'd probably get a good amount back for him, but I am so against putting Luke Voigt out on the market. What the guy has done since he's been here, especially in this year's shortened season, almost all throughout dealing with foot problems and still going out there like a warrior, hobbling, playing and murdering home runs virtually on one foot. And I'm sorry, I really appreciate all of that in a player. Sure, he's not the best defensively. In fact, in some moments, he's pretty bad. No one's denying that. But with how he is in all areas of the game overall, you could live with that. And he still has some pretty good plays over at first, even though, yes, of course, he botches some easy ones. And if there were to be anything in his game that he were to fix, of course, you'd want it to be that. But what he supplied for this team, that warrior mentality, the contributions offensively, I really don't want to lose that. So I don't agree with putting Luke Voigt out there for a trade. I know there are some really, really outrageous trade proposals out there on social media and when people call into sports radio shows, there are some really ridiculous trade ideas that people put out there. And that's the case every offseason. That'll never change. But still, some of them are really ridiculous. I like to keep the offseason talks as rational and as logical as possible, but I just disagree with that thought on Luke Voigt. Maybe they try to trade guys like Andujar or Talkman, and what they get back from them is a different story because Talkman didn't have a good year. Andujar showed some of those sparks offensively that he had from back in 2018, so maybe you have some value with him, but you do also still have the fact that he offers nothing defensively. But as far as trades and signings, as I said, maybe they sign one big guy, maybe it'd be Bauer, maybe it'd be somebody else. But other than that, maybe one signing and addressing those who need to be addressed in free agency, those who are hitting free agency, like D. DJ, Tanaka, Paxton even, I do see it being a quieter offseason for the Yankees. Not dead silent, but quieter. Especially in light of their payroll announcement, which we'll get to again later in Yankees news. They announced that they are cutting payroll. When it comes to just how much, I'll tell you later on. But I think it could be possibly a bit more evidence to support the fact that it could be a quieter offseason than usual. I could be wrong, but this is just what I think. And quite frankly, it looks like a good amount of people agree with me on Twitter, although the race was a bit close in the voting. One choice was triumphant over the other. Those two choices, of course, being either yes, you think it will be a quiet offseason for the Yankees, or no, it won't be quiet. And over 2,500 votes came in, and of all of those votes... 55% of you say yes, it will be a quiet offseason for the Yankees, and 45% of you say no, it will not. So a lot of votes came in, and it was a close race, but in the end, more people think that it will be a quiet offseason than not. And people went on in the replies to say what they would like to see the Yankees do and put out some trade proposals or ideas of people to sign, some of which I mentioned earlier, some of which I didn't. But in any event, let's get down to those replies and hear some of your thoughts and hope that they are as logical and rational as possible. <laughs> 
Because again, there are some really outrageous proposals and ideas out there. But let's start things off in the Twitter replies with at Laker 477. And he says, I think it'll be a relatively quiet offseason. That said, they do need to re-sign DJ and Tanaka and hopefully add a quality arm to the bullpen. I'd also like to see Gardner get a one-year deal to finish his career after, hopefully, a normal season without COVID. I completely agree. As I said, especially with DJ and Tanaka, they definitely have to bring DJ back. If they didn't bring him back, that'd be one of the more outrageous things the Yankees will have done in recent history. They have got to bring DJ back. I'm not sure what they'll do with Tanaka, but I'd certainly like to see him return too. And when it comes to the bullpen, yeah, I totally understand wanting to add another quality arm because of course this year when Tommy Canley went down to Tommy John surgery, we saw how badly that hurt the Yankees going forward. Of course, Adam Adovino spent most of the season being just really, really unreliable out there. He's probably not coming back, so I could definitely understand people wanting to add another quality arm. I've heard some people mentioning Liam Hendricks and a few others, but I'm not sure if they'll do much of anything to improve the pen. I'm not really sure. A lot of this, of course, we'll have to wait and see, but it's worth talking about right now. And when it comes to Gardner, yeah, of course, Gardy said he did not want this to be his final season, a season without the fans at the stadium, a season as strange as this one. I definitely understand him wanting to have maybe at least another year for the Yankees to finish his career in what we hope will be a normal season in 2021. And maybe he did earn it at least a little bit coming off of one of the, if not the best post seasons of his entire life. I mean, he was just fantastic in the playoffs and finished off the season red hot. But I know also a lot of other people just really say that they're done with Gardner and they think throughout the entire duration of a 162 game season next year, if it were to return to normal, that they don't think that it's going to be worth it ultimately. And we have seen declines in areas of his game naturally. I mean, he's getting older. That happens with players and a lot of people really would just rather not see him return. But of course, we know how loyal the Yankees are to him, how much they love him, and of course, I have a lot of respect and loyalty to Gardner as well. I've said that many times in the past. But is he worth bringing back? And is he worth putting out there over guys like Clint Frazier or any others that are ready to go in the outfield that are much younger and could give more results for the Yankees throughout the season and for many years to come, possibly? You have to ask these questions. That's going to be up to the Yankees, ultimately. I think there are reasons to bring him back and reasons to not bring him back, but we'll see. That's definitely an interesting point. Up next, we have at BobbyTat631, and Bobby says, of course, the obvious one being LeMayhew, but I'd like to see Cashman build the starting rotation up behind Cole, even though the younger are arms are getting better, one or two more established arms would help. Well, yes, it definitely would help. And after Cole, there is definitely a bit of a drop-off, especially if you're not to bring back Tanaka. You'll have Davey Garcia, who's a very promising young arm. We'll also have to see what they do about James Paxton. I personally don't see Paxton coming back, but I could be wrong about that. That's where the discussion about Trevor Bauer comes in. Will he come to the Yankees? I don't know. There were rumors about him and Cole not getting along, but then they denied those rumors. And even so, would the Yankees be willing to bring him in, depending on how much money he asks for? And then also, you have to remember, although it's not until around the second half of the season, you have Severino coming back, but how much could you rely on him to be elite again when he's just coming off of Tommy John surgery? There may be a bit of an adjustment there because it will have been a very long time since he took the mound in a major league game facing live batters after basically the biggest surgery a pitcher could have in Tommy John surgery. There are certainly no guarantees. So when Seve's to come back in the second half, and if you are to bring in Bauer, these are a lot of ifs here, along with the fact if Severino takes a while to adjust to seeing live pitching again, but you could have yourself a very solid one through four if that were to happen in Cole, Bauer, Seve, 
Chevy, Davey Garcia, and then maybe round off with Jordan Montgomery. I mean, listen, this is where we get into the ifs a lot, and then you just go down a whole rabbit hole of things. It just gets messy. And of course, it all depends on whether they bring Tanaka back or not, too, how much money they were to spend on him if they bring him back. But yeah, they could bulk up the rotation a little bit behind Cole. I think they could afford to do that. At Savage Empire Pod says, it can't be. Gotta potentially replace three starters, sign or lose DJ, and possibly move Gary or not. Drama to be had for sure. Stay tuned. Yeah, there could be some drama. There should be a lot happening with the starting rotation, especially surrounding whether or not they bring back Tanaka. Yeah. Also, if they end up bringing in Trevor Bauer like a lot of Yankee fans want the Yankees to do. What to do with Paxton. And I assume we won't be seeing happen a Yankee uniform again. And yeah, obviously with DJ, as we've talked about, they better bring him back. And Gary being moved or not, I don't see Gary going anywhere. I know a ton of Yankee fans, including myself, just ran out of patience with him a lot throughout this year. But I do think the Yankees give him at least one more shot in a season that is hopefully normal next year and see what he does. So whether we like it or not, I don't see Gary going anywhere this winter. But yeah, there could be drama. Stay tuned for sure. We'll be talking about all of it here on Yapping Yankees. At Finkbeiner Sally says, I have this feeling they aren't going to do what everyone wants them to do. Alright, so you think it'll be a bit quieter. At Evan D. Wetzel 4 says, It has to be. The owners lost a ton of money, and that's pretty much all they care about. However, trades will be heavy. Cohen, the new owner of the Mets, will likely spend a ton. Yeah, he definitely could, and boy, would that be a breath of fresh air for the Mets after all they've had to go through with the Wilpons. That's definitely a story for another day. We could do a whole show on that, too. <laughs> all the Mets nightmares under the Wilpons. But yeah, we mentioned the financial aftermath of the pandemic on the sport, not only on the entire sport as a whole, but also on the Yankees. In the past, we've mentioned it. The Yankees say that's the major reason, or at least a major reason, why they're cutting payroll for next year. And it could definitely contribute in them possibly doing less this winter. I mentioned that possibility earlier, and it could definitely end up being true. And people have mentioned they do have some really high-paid players coming off the payroll this winter, like Ellsbury should be coming off. That is huge. Hap is huge. That's $17 million. And of course, if either of them or both of them don't come back, you'd be getting rid of Paxton and Tanaka on the payroll. Those are some major names making a lot of money coming off the payroll. That could really create opportunity for the Yankees to use that money in other areas. So we'll have to wait and see. Up next is at Laura underscore Icemont. And Laura says, I think the Yankees will be busy this offseason. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when I replied to another tweet, but these are the moves I'd like to see. Resign Tanaka and DJ, sign another starting pitcher, sign a relief pitcher, and sign another bat like DJ, perhaps Tommy Lastella. Well, you know I'm a huge advocate for resigning DJ, so I agree there. I would not have a problem with them bringing back Tanaka at a reasonable price. Signing another starting pitcher again, as I said before, I know a lot of people want that starting pitcher to be Trevor Bauer. And yeah, perhaps they could sign another reliever, that'd be pretty good. And signing another bat like Lastella would be good, but but again, another infielder. The Yankees infield is just really clogged up right now. And unless you're trading Voight like some people are bringing up, and again, I completely disagree with doing that, but unless you're trading Voight, you really don't have much wiggle room in the infield anymore. And yeah, Lestello's a good hitter. He would be good to have, but where would you put him and when? That's the question, but definitely a fair response, Laura. At MD Nelly says, I think it will be quiet. Need to re-sign DJ, need to settle rotation either through trade or free agency, and need another bullpen arm. They should shop Andujar. I'd like to see a lefty bat in the lineup too, but I just don't see them doing anything to go over the payroll limit for 2021. Yes, I definitely think they're going to be strict about the payroll. And shopping Andujar, especially since his value might have gone up a little bit since he showed, again, as I said before, some sparks of his old offensive capabilities from 2018. But yeah, I could see them going around and really just at least offer 
offering his name up in some trade talks with some other teams. So that's definitely valid. Resign DJ, definitely. Maybe in addition to the rotation as we've spoken about. And yeah, maybe another bullpen arm. But yes, it all depends on where they are at the payroll by then, who they decide to and not to resign, and how much room they have to pay more people with their payroll cut in mind. But yeah, as we've heard with every reply, the same thing remains. It ought to be interesting. At 2170, Whitehaven says, They'll sign DJ as the big move, but will shop Hicks, Voight, and Andujar. They want a left-handed batter, preferably for infield utility. Outfield is Judge and Frazier, and maybe Kevin Pillar in center. They'll also try to trade Ottavino if they can save salary. No Gardner, likely. Well, yeah, signing DJ would definitely be a huge move. That is top priority, as I've said. Shopping Hicks and Andujar. Shopping Hicks, I mean, although that would not be awful, considering he has a movable contract, I'm not sure I see them doing that, because the Yankees are just so high on Aaron Hicks, as we've heard them say. They value him so much, even at times where I might even say he doesn't deserve to be valued that high. And I generally like Aaron Hicks, but I don't think I view him as high as the Yankees do. I love how much he walks and gets on base. Obviously, he has some pop in his bat. He's a switch hitter. And although, as we've mentioned in the past throughout this shortened season, I feel his defense was regressing at some points throughout the year, he has solid defensive capabilities as well. But the Yankees value him really, really highly, and I'm not sure I value him that much. So yeah, I don't think it's outrageous to say that they might, at the very least, throw Hicks's name out there. I wouldn't be surprised if they did the same with Andujar, but Voight, you know, I disagree with. Perhaps the left-handed utility infielder that you mentioned could be who Laura mentioned before. That could definitely be Tommy LaStella. And yeah, I do agree that even if Gardner does come back, that Frazier should definitely be in the outfield more than him. And trading Ottavino would not surprise me at all. So yeah, some things in this reply make sense, in my opinion. Alright, let's keep going. I want to get at least a decent amount of replies in here, because we got a lot. I at least want to make at least 15 to 20 as we usually do. At Deborah Groovy 53 says, quiet offseason and another year with no chance to win. How better wake up and smell the coffee? Well, I don't agree with the no chance to win. I definitely think that the Yankees' talent always gives them at least a chance to win, but whether they will win or not obviously remains to be seen. When it comes to Hal in the front office, well... I spent most of last week's episode talking about them and their mentality, so if you want discussion on that, definitely listen back to last week's episode. But yeah, I don't think they have no chance to win. I don't agree with that. At Jake Rep NY, Jake says, Yankees will sign one big-name guy and a lot of small-name guys who will hopefully work out. Yeah, that tends to be how they operate. I think that's pretty fair. At Tenacious 5 says, Resign LeMayhew and Tanaka, let Gardner walk, trade Voight and some minor leaguers for a strong number two starting pitcher. Try to get one or two high on base percentage players. Yeah, I'm sorry. Again, the trade Voight thing, I'm just not on board for. And I know if you're doing trades, you have to put a guy in there that would get a lot back. Otherwise, you're not going to get much in return. I understand that. And Voight's value is probably through the roof right now if he were to be on the market. But if I'm the Yankees, I just really don't want to get rid of him. Resigning DJ especially? Absolutely. And I wouldn't have a problem with them bringing back Tanaka again, as I said, as long as the price isn't through the roof. And letting Gardner walk? Yeah, I can understand why some people might want that. But it's hard to imagine that happening. I honestly think we might see Gardner again for one more year. Whether I agree with it or not, that's just how I see it. At Bella Ace 52 says, I would like to see them make a trade for Lindor. They have enough on the farm and MLB-ready players to make that happen. Sign DJ to play first. Yeah. Yeah, so that tells me you'd want to trade Voight, which, again, I know Voight's value is probably through the roof, but I just, I really don't want to get rid of Voight right now. I just really don't. And signing DJ to play first, yeah, DJ's a solid defender, but 
He's okay at first, I think. He's fine. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not fantastic at first. I'd rather have him back at his regular positions, mainly second base, where he's a multi-time gold glove winner. Or if the Yankees are platooning for a given day, if they might need him to play third, put him there too. And yeah, also put him at first whenever they need him to, but to put him there permanently as the main first baseman, I don't know about that. And yeah, I know people want Lindor because of Glaber's poor defense at shortstop, and I understand people wanting that to get better because Glaber was just miserable at shortstop this year. He was miserable. And for a position that people said was his natural position coming up, he left a lot to be desired there this year. A lot. He made a boatload of errors. So he's got to work hard to improve that this offseason, if anything, if the Yankees plan on keeping him there. And from what I've heard, it sounds like they are planning on keeping him there. So they've got to work on that a lot with him this offseason. They've got to give him a lot of reps at short, a lot of practice, because the Yankees cannot have that type of poor defense at shortstop all throughout next season again. It can't happen. It was brutal. So I just see them more so working with Glaber at shortstop to get him to improve there more than them going out and getting Lindor. I don't see that happening. Up next here on Twitter, at Superman9383 says, Resign DJ LeMayhew. Let Tanaka and Paxton walk. Trade Gary and Duhar, Adovino, and Loisica. Sign Bauer and Real Muto and best reliever on the market. Well, you see, a lot of that is wishful thinking, especially in light of them cutting payroll for next year. As I said, I do see the Yankees giving Gary at least one more chance this season. I do see them shopping in Duhar and Adovino. I'm not sure how much you could even get for Loisica because he was just bad. <laughs> he really was, especially at the end. Letting Tanaka and Paxton walk, that would be huge. And of course, it goes without saying, DJ LeMahieu re-sign him, definitely. But yeah, the signing Bauer, Real Muto, and the best reliever on the market, of course, that would depend on how much money they have left to work with after they want to cut payroll, and if any of those guys really want to come here. At S. Mullins 101 says, re-sign DJ and stay healthy, and we can rock with what we have for the most part. Alright, so it doesn't sound like you'd be very bothered with a quieter offseason. At John Pintoli says, I'll be happy if they sign DJ LeMayhew. Outside of that, I'm not expecting anything at all. Okay, that's fair enough. Let's do a couple of more here on Twitter. At Peace Now for Life says, I think it'll be busier than last offseason. I'd like to see them re-sign DJ LeMayhew and Tanaka. I'd like to see a one-year deal for Gardner, then perhaps another starting pitcher and a bullpen guy. That's my wish list. Yes, especially with DJ LeMahieu and with Tanaka for, as I said, a reasonable price. I'm definitely interested, as I said, to see what they do with Brett Gardner. And with a starting pitcher and a bullpen guy, yeah. Again, as I said, I know a lot of people with the starting pitcher want that guy to be Bauer, possibly. And as I also mentioned for the second half, you got Sevy coming back. And we'll see if they sign somebody for the bullpen, too. That's fair enough. Again, a lot of it's going to depend on who comes back, who walks, how much money they have left to work with in accordance with their payroll cut for next year. It ought to be interesting. At Casey underscore 237 says, re-sign DJ, get Torres major reps at short in the offseason, trade Enduhar and Talkman for pitching, sign Stroman and Bauer. That's what I expect. All right, another one that wants Bauer and Stroman too, and I just really am not sure if Stroman could handle being on the Yankees that much. Of course, a lot of you on Twitter have seen his social media shenanigans. Wow, shenanigans. What am I, 87 years old? <laughs> But nonetheless, I'll stick with that word because it is a good word to use in this case. It's nothing more than shenanigans. Stroman cannot handle whenever the Yankee fans go after him on social media for something he says. And I just wonder how that would translate to dealing with the fans when you're in the Bronx or maybe dealing with the media. I'm not sure the Yankees would be the best fit for him. And after all of this stuff on social media has gone down, I'm not even sure a lot of Yankee fans want him here to begin with. But Bauer, I understand people that want Bauer. I understand that. He's very talented. He's really, really good. Getting Torres major reps at shortstop over the offseason 
definitely agree there. Resign DJ, definitely agree. Shopping in Duhar would not be a surprise, but when it comes to Talkman, again, as I said before, I'm not even sure how much Talkman would bring in. I can't imagine his value is very high, but they could definitely package him in a deal somewhere. Who knows? At Michael underscore Shard says, no, we got to get Lindor and Bauer and JT Realmuto, or we got to get Seager and Arenado and Bauer and Bauer and Michael Brantley and JT Realmuto. Well, to save some time, why don't you just get the whole league while you're at it? <laughs> Damn. All right, let's finish off with at Manzion33, and he says, I hope not. Would love to see Didi come back, although not likely, and re-sign DJ LeMayhew, meaning Voight is out. Go get Bauer and maybe Hater for the pen. Well, Bauer and Hater together, that'd probably cost a good amount of money. Yes, definitely re-sign DJ LeMayhew, and Didi, yes, I agree, that's not very likely. It is possible because he did only sign a one-year contract with Philly, so he could come back theoretically. But again, I don't like the idea of Voight leaving. I don't like the idea of shifting DJ over to first for nearly full time or that's not his specialty. I personally think it better to just put him there occasionally whenever you absolutely need him to be there. But to have that be his full time position, as I said, I'm not really on board with that. Even if it means putting Glaber back at second because he's better there than at shortstop, which is true because he's just been brutal at shortstop. But I'd just rather work really hard over the offseason with Glaber at shortstop and give him a better chance to improve at what they consider to be his natural position. Just work at it really, really hard. You have plenty of months going forward to work with Glaber at shortstop to get him to improve there, rather than costing the Yankees void and moving DJ to a position that's not his best one, just to accommodate him and then maybe have to bring DD back or even bring in Lindor like many people want. I don't know. I'm really just not willing to go down that route. Because call me crazy, I think at such a young age, with all the time in the world this winter, and of course, if it meant for the Yankees saving their precious money, I just think it's far more worth it to work with Glaber very, very hard over the course of this offseason at improving at short rather than shifting the entire infield around and getting rid of guys that are very valuable to the team, like Luke Voigt, or putting DJ at first base, a position that's not his best. And as I said before, I'm not saying he's bad there, but it's not his best position. It's not. And I'm just really not sure I'm willing to go down that route. And honestly, if anybody has proven that it's possible to improve at your position, even just in the window of one season to another, Clint Frazier did that. Clint Frazier was as bad as you could possibly get in the outfield. And in just the course of a season, look how much he was able to improve with the right amount of hard work and dedication. There's evidence that it's possible. Glaber's a talented kid. Take the next few months and and work hard with him in order to get him to improve at shortstop. It is possible. But guys, again... There were so many replies I didn't get to because this poll, as most of them do, just got a ton of interaction. I am very sorry, as always, to those I did not get to. But for those I did get to, and of course, for those of you I didn't to, just everybody who replied, thank you all so, so much, as always, for interacting on this week's Yapping Yankees poll on Twitter. Let's hear what the Instagrammers had to say, of course, to the very same poll. We'll hear how they voted and replied, and then we'll move on to Yankees news to end today's episode. Same question applies on Instagram, of course. Course, do you think it'll be a quiet offseason for the Yankees? And you also have the two-parter, just like on Twitter, to DM me with any moves that you'd like to see the Yankees make this winter for a chance at a shout-out on the show. And I gotta tell you, the voting results on Instagram, very similar to that of Twitter. Same two choices of yes or no on whether you think it'll be a quiet offseason for the Yankees or not. And of the Instagram voters, 
56% voted that they think it'll be a quiet offseason for the Yankees, and 44% voted that they don't think it'll be a quiet offseason for the Yankees. So on Twitter, it was 55% against 45% in favor of the choice of yes, and on Instagram, it was 56% against 44% in favor of yes. Nearly identical. So not by an overwhelming margin on either platform, but more people think that it'll be a quieter offseason than not for the Yankees. So let's hear what's on the minds of some people here on Instagram. We have my good friend Tina at MountainGal456 up first, and she says, no, I think they'll try to get a few more pieces to this puzzle in pitching and possibly position players as well. All right, Tina. So Tina does not think it'll be a quieter offseason for the Yankees. Again, though, especially because of the payroll cuts, a lot of it's going to depend on how much room they have to spend money with certain guys, depending on who walks, depending on who comes back, and how much money they come back for if they are to return. And I think that's going to heavily dictate what they do when it comes to looking outside of the team for help in starting pitching or maybe a position player. Simply Sports Fanatic is up next, and she says Yankees need to up on the pitching. Okay, I know it's starting pitching, as I've mentioned so many times already throughout this segment. I know a lot of people are looking at Bauer or for bullpen help. People have thrown around Josh Hader. People have thrown around Liam Hendricks. So yeah, you're not the only one to think that the Yankees should definitely improve their pitching even more. Dean Meyer says, we need at least one more ace. Maybe hoping for a combo like Stroman and Hendricks. Well, as I said before, I don't think the Yankees are a very good fit for Stroman. He has not done a good job on Twitter for whenever he gets heat for things that he says, especially against the Yankee fans. He tends to just go on blocking sprees and just really doesn't handle criticism very well, particularly from the Yankee fan base. So if he comes here and he can't handle that on social media, how's he going to handle that when he's actually on the team? Because if you're on the mound at Yankee Stadium and consistently doing terrible and the Yankee fans are relentlessly going at you, you can't hit a block button while you're on the mound. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just don't see that going very well. I also don't think in general that he puts the Yankees like really over the top. I think Stroman's a good pitcher but I don't think he puts them over the top or automatically is the difference maker in them winning the World Series or not. I definitely don't think Stroman is that. And yeah, you're not the first one to throw out Liam Hendricks as well for bullpen help. Surprised we didn't get a mention of Bauer there. We've gotten a ton of mentions of him. Next is my lovely girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic says, I voted yes because it's been a very unorthodox year to begin with and payroll cuts. Yes, it has been a very unorthodox year, as you said. You are 100% correct about that. And yeah, the payroll cuts too. Before I got into reading replies, on Twitter and Instagram and the poll results and everything, I myself said that the Yankees announcing that they're cutting payroll is another piece of evidence to me that I think it's going to be a mostly quiet offseason. As I said, I do see them addressing things like whether they let Tanaka walk or whether they bring him back. Definitely re-signing DJ because I just think they have to. They'd be insane not to. And maybe they make a move for the rotation. I don't know if it's as big as Bauer, but maybe they do. But other than that, I think they're mainly staying put. And as you said with the payroll cuts, I think that's just another piece of evidence that supports that opinion. So yeah, I agree. And finally, as always, let's finish up with my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, it's never quiet. This organization has had tons of time to reorganize and strategize, and the same is for this year. But in the end, unfortunately, they always tend to disappoint their fans. But the organization with the most money will never be quiet. They'll do whatever they please, buying and trading players. I'll sit here and watch. Yankees 2021, let's go Yankees. Well, as far as always disappointing their fans in the end, unfortunately, regardless of whether we like that or not, whether we like to hear that or not as Yankee fans, the last few years, that is how it's ended up. 
particularly in 2018, all the way to now, even though this past season, of course, was a different type of season than ever before, but it remained the same. In the end, they failed. So as blunt as that statement is, and as much as we might not want to hear that, it is true. But yes, they do have all the time in the world to re-strategize and reorganize and get the pieces that they feel they need to get. And despite them doing payroll cuts for next year, they do have more money than anybody else in baseball. That is true. It's just a matter of how they choose to use it. Which, for this offseason, it sounds like they're going to be pretty careful with it. But of course, you also keep the faith for next year nonetheless, as you are, and we will see what they do this winter. And as I've said, in the weeks ahead, and the months ahead even, we have all the time in the world to talk about all of this, and see just how much the Yankees choose to do this offseason. But as for this week's poll segment overall, that is all for the interactions on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you guys so, so much for taking the time to join in on the fun with this week's Yapping Yankees poll. As it usually always is, another great week hearing all of your thoughts. And for those I didn't get to, as I always say, just keep on replying to the social media segments every single week for Yapping Yankees, and I will get to you eventually. But awesome, awesome thoughts this week, guys. Mostly rational and sensible, as I had hoped, but really, really nice job. So let's jump to some Yankees news, a couple of things that we have to talk about today regarding the Yankees announcement in their payroll, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show in the introduction, and also many times throughout the poll segment, we'll talk about their announcement regarding their payroll, as well as all the Yankees awards finalists. But let's first tackle the issue of the Yankees cutting payroll for next year. We've been talking about it all throughout the show today, and that was because on Tuesday, the Yankees did officially make this announcement that they are cutting their payroll to under 200 10 million, mainly, so they say, because of the financial effects of the pandemic. Now, at this moment, for 2020, the Yankees' payroll throughout this year was around 250 million. Or, I should say, around 250 million if the season were a full 162 game season, because of course, with the prorated salaries in the shortened season, it was around 250 million cut in a little bit more than half. That's the explanation without doing in depth math. But you know what I meant around 250 million if the season were a regular, normal 162-game season. And I did mention at one point throughout the poll segment that they do have some major names with some major money on their contracts coming off the books this year. And some people in the social media replies did mention that. Ellsbury is a big one. If Paxton walks, that's a big one. If Tanaka walks, that's a big one happen his 17 million dollars. So as I said, depending on who they choose to bring back, two names that I definitely don't think they'll bring back. Of course, the Yankees want to do everything they can to get rid of Jacoby Ellsbury. There's no doubt about that. You're never seeing him again. That goes without saying. I don't think they're going to bring Paxton back, so you're going to have his money let off the books. And although he did have his good moments throughout this shortened season, he still had plenty of bad moments, not only on the field, but also off the field with his complaining about things constantly. You're probably not going to see Hap come back, so that's $17 million off, just with Hap alone. So I guess that's three people I don't see the Yankees bringing back. I do think that for a reasonable price, they'd be more than willing to bring Tanaka back, so I do expect him to return. I definitely think that DJ is coming back. DJ is the number one priority. I've said that for many weeks now, and I will continue saying that whether you like it or not, because it is the truth. DJ LeMahieu is too important to this team in all aspects of his game. His determination, his defense, his offense, anything you can think of, the Yankees need DJ LeMahieu. They simply do not get anywhere near where they have gotten in 2019 and 2020 without him. There are other names that apply with that too, but DJ is a major 
major one. So I do agree with many of the social media replies that say re-sign DJ and Tanaka. I think that is very reasonable, and I think it's very possible that the Yankees do both of those things. But when it comes to moves externally outside the organization, seeking help from other guys or teams, depending on whether you sign guys individually or whether you trade with another organization for a piece, this cut in payroll, even if guys like Ellsbury, Paxton, and Hap come off the books, yes, the Yankees would have room to put that money elsewhere, but this cut in payroll could certainly have an effect on what they choose to do or not do. And as I've said many times in this episode, I think it is another piece to support my claim that I think this will be a quieter offseason for the Yankees. Resigning DJ and Tanaka, I definitely think that is more than possible and definitely reasonable. Tanaka, again, depending on the price, and DJ... <laughs> It goes without saying. Gotta bring DJ back. That is priority number one. They should do that about a minute after the World Series ends. <laughs> Just right away. Get it over with. But as far as outside moves, I'm not sure. As I said, if you want to bring in a Trevor Bauer, it's certainly going to depend, again, on who certainly walks or returns to the team, and how much Trevor Bauer would want. As I said, you're probably signing him to a one-year deal because that tends to be what he wants to do. He just prefers one-year contracts, and fine, that's his prerogative. But how much money would he ask for? And how much money would the Yankees be willing to give him in light of the payroll cut, and probably after they've addressed guys like DJ and Tanaka? These are the questions you have to ask. There's a good amount of money coming off the books again, if guys like Ellsbury, Paxton, and Hap are gone. But how much room would you have to spend elsewhere, and how much would those pieces like Trevor Bauer ask for in free agency? And the Yankees probably don't absolutely have to do this payroll cut. They're the Yankees, you just know that they have more money than God. But I'm sure they did suffer at least a decent amount, along with all the other owners and teams, as a result of what the pandemic did to the sport this year with no fans in attendance, no merch being sold in the stadium, food, and all those factors, parking. We've spoken about all of this in the past. There are a lot of financial factors, as we know, when it comes to going to a baseball game or buying something from the Yankees. And the Yankees missed out on a ton of that profit this year with what the virus did to the sport. All the teams did. They all lost out. But there inevitably is also that little part of me, I plead guilty to it, that says, oh, come on, Yankees, you have more money than anybody. Just go out there and do what you have to do. But nonetheless, regardless of what I think or what you think, the Yankees did announce that this payroll cut is happening, under $210 million. And it does help that certain names, as I said before, are coming off the books if they don't return, but it still limits the Yankees because they have DJ and Tanaka to address. And if they were to contact a Trevor Bauer, they would have to see how much money he would want and how much wiggle room they have when it comes to staying under that $210 million payroll that they want to stay under. So that's why I've said it ought to be interesting to see what the Yankees do or don't do this winter because there are a lot of factors at work here. There are. So because of the announcement of this payroll cut, and because I really see them staying basically as they are with certain guys on the team, I just think that it'll be a mostly quiet offseason. They're going to address DJ and Tanaka, and they might address somebody externally outside of the organization, like maybe acquiring a Trevor Bauer like some people want, or maybe acquiring some bullpen help like some people have mentioned. But that's about where I see it ending. And part of the reason for that is because of the announcement of this payroll cut. I don't think they're going to give up on Glaber being at short. I hope they work with him really hard this offseason, as I've said. You've got all winter long, if you're the Yankees, just really working hard with Glaber Torres and ensuring that he irons out those kinks at short. You know how big it would be if he figures out his defensive struggles at shortstop? That would be huge. You 
keep DJ at second, you keep Voight at first like I want. I just really don't want to shop Voight. And again, there are a lot of these topics when it comes to other players or certain aspects of the team that we will get to over the course of the next few months of this offseason. But I think they want to try to stick with Glaber at short. I think they want to try to stick with DJ at second, keep him at his best position. I think they're going to hold on to Voight. And as much as some people may not like it, and I'm not even 100% on board with this necessarily, but I am willing to give the guy another shot in light of how strange this past season was, I see them holding on to Gary Sanchez too. I just don't see them making changes in those areas. Again, I could be wrong, but... I really tend to know what the Yankees are thinking in these sorts of areas, and I'm right a lot of the time, and I don't think that they're going to make any changes in those areas. And I'd say that the announcement of this payroll cut does at least somewhat support my opinion on this. I could be wrong, and we do have plenty of time in the months ahead to talk about each individual aspect of this team, but as of today, on October 25th, here on episode 69 of Yapping Yankees, these are my opinions on what I think on this team, especially even more so after the Yankees' payroll cut announcement on Tuesday. So that was the Yankees announcement regarding their payroll cut for 2021. And finally for today, it is time to address who the Yankees awards finalists are for the 2020 season. As I mentioned in the introduction to the show, the Yankees have a finalist for the Hank Aaron Award, and they have two Gold Glove finalists. But let's begin with who the Hank Aaron Award finalist is. Now, obviously, those who win the Hank Aaron Award are the ones that are recognized for the most outstanding regular season offensive performer in each league, and obviously being recognized as the league's best offensive performer is a very big deal, and has been since the award has been given to many, many players since 1999 when it was established. And the Yankees finalist for the 2020 season is none other than DJ LeMayhew. Not a shocker at all, had a fantastic 2020 season offensively, and definitely deserves to be a finalist. The other finalists throughout baseball are Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox, Freddie Freeman on the Braves, Jose Ramirez of the Indians, Corey Seager of the Dodgers, Mike Trout of the Angels, Dominic Smith on the Mets, Nelson Cruz on the Twins, Bryce Harper for the Phillies, Manny Machado for the Padres, Brandon Lau for the Rays, Paul Goldschmidt for the Cardinals, Teoscar Hernandez for the Blue Jays, and finally Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals. So all of those guys and DJ LeMahieu are finalists for this year's Hank Aaron Award, and one person will be selected from each league to win it, just as it's been done the last 21 years since the award came to be in 1999. And obviously, I and all Yankee fans hope that DJ LeMahieu does win it, but there are definitely plenty of other worthy names on here as well, so it'll be a tough one. But the fact that he's a finalist is really, really cool. I personally think that Jose Abreu's probably going to win it because he just had himself a hell of a season. He played all 60 games this year, had 19 home runs, 60 RBIs, 317 average, on base of 370, and a slugging of 617 combining for a 987 OPS. Just really a great offensive season. But hey, don't sell DJ short because he still batted 364 this year. He only missed 10 games. He played 50 games, which is still fine but he batted 364, 10 home runs, 27 RBIs, which of course when it comes to home runs and RBIs, Abreu leads in that category by far. Has almost 10 more home runs and has 60 RBIs, which is 33 more than DJ. 
But DJ also had a 421 on base percentage, a 590 slugging percentage, which also isn't as high as Abreu's slugging, but it's still really, really good. And that combines for an OPS of over 1,000, 1,011 OPS, which is incredible. So although I do think in the end that Jose Abreu will win, do not sell DJ short either. So good for DJ on being a finalist for the Hank Aaron Award for his 2020 season. Just more supporting evidence as to the fact that if the Yankees were to to not bring him back for next season, it would be one of the dumber decisions I will have ever seen in my entire life. But in any event, we also do have more award announcements as far as Yankees are concerned, and it is in the gold glove category. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, one of these finalists is not a surprise whatsoever, and the other one is not only a worthy candidate, but if he were to win it, it would definitely be the peak of what has been a remarkable turnaround defensively for this young man. But first off, we'll start with the one that's not a surprise at all, and that happens to be for third base in the likes of Gio Urshela. We all know that his defense is godlike, so this is not a surprise at all, and obviously I hope he wins it, as he very, very much deserves it. He's going up against Isaiah Kiner-Falefa of the Rangers and Yoan Moncada of the White Sox. So again, let's hope that Gio Rochella wins that. That would be a very well-deserved gold glove, to say the least. Because some of the plays that Gio Rochella makes over there at the hot corner, you would think that God temporarily takes over his body, makes the play, and then leaves. Because it's just unreal. I know some of you may be like, all right, Mike, come on, you're being a little much now. Except I'm really not. Because Gio's defense really is that good if you've watched him play. So he definitely deserves it. Now, as far as the other Gold Glove finalist for the Yankees, an award that would be such an appropriate ending to what has been a remarkable journey, an incredible transformation defensively for a guy that just last year was dropping routine fly balls. The other Gold Glove finalist for the Yankees is none other than Clint Frazier. And I cannot tell you how happy I am for Clint. I have been hard on him in the past, particularly last year when he was making all those ridiculous errors in the out field, and rightfully so, because he could not play defense if his life depended on it. But within just one season, this guy totally transformed himself defensively to not only making the routine plays in the outfield, but even making great plays in the outfield, making little to no mistakes at all in a season that was unlike any other. He was given another chance after injuries struck the Yankees yet again, and he took full advantage of it. Took to the outfield, he made the plays, whether they be routine or difficult, and just displayed defensive capabilities that nobody had seen coming. All the while being completely humble about all of it, having also transformed as a person, which was also a very questionable part of Clint Frazier in the past. He was considered a cancer in the clubhouse. In 2020, not anymore. He turned it all around, not only continuing how great he is with the bat, but also completely turned it around on defense in a way that I'm not sure I've ever seen a player do, especially in the short window of time from just one season to the next, going from pretty much as bad as you can possibly be at defense to being a great defender all within one season, made even more impressive by the bizarre nature of the 2020 season, and he just wowed everybody, including myself. Nobody saw this transformation coming. You can say that you believed in Clint Frazier, and I did to a certain degree. I don't like to give up on young guys so fast like that, especially when in certain areas they tend to have unbelievable potential. But even if you didn't give up on him, I can guarantee you, you did not expect a turnaround of this magnitude because it has been nothing short of incredible. 
incredible. He completely deserves to be a finalist for the Gold Glove in right field, and I am so happy for him. He'll be going up against the likes of Joey Gallo of the Rangers and Anthony Santander of the Orioles, and I just really hope he pulls it off. And as I said earlier, even if he doesn't win, even being a Gold Glove finalist, given what he was last year and what he was able to transform himself into just a year later this year is absolutely amazing in itself. But of course, since he is a finalist, you want him to win it. And if he did, it would of course be even greater. We have given Clint Frazier more than enough credit for his transformation all throughout the season, and this would just be such a fitting end to what has been an awesome transformation on Clint Frazier's behalf. I cannot state it enough. And for now, we know that for the Gold Glove Award winners, those will be announced on none other than November 3rd, election night. (laughs) What a night that's going to be. Gold Glove Award winners and the absolute chaos of the United States presidential election. (laughs) That's going to be crazy. Uh, But as for now, that is all for episode 69 of Yapping Yankees, guys. Let's give one last shout out to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also follow the man behind the website, Darren on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB for helping spread the word every week about yapping Yankees. And also don't forget guys to follow me on all social media so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees and yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds. 97. And I'd also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 69, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know, guys, to listen to Yapping Yankees. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November 1st, another new month, when I come at you with episode 70 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and we will also have new World Series champions by the time we talk next Sunday. Looking very forward to see how the rest of this World Series goes. So for the rest of you keeping up with that, enjoy the rest of the Fall Classic, and have a good week, guys. Take care. Take care.